This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindsetters, you guys are amazing. I can't even believe it. We hit over 20,000 downloads last week. On the first six weeks, we've been blowing it up. And then today, just randomly, I was checking iTunes and happened to notice, boom, we're on the front page of iTunes on New and Noteworthy. Uh, That is because of amazing listeners like you who've been tuning in and listening to all these amazing interviews and uh, hitting that subscribe button. And most importantly, For those people who took the time to hit the five-star, scroll down on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and who wrote a little something. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys. It's helping us reach so many more people when you do that because iTunes says, hey, this must be something worth listening to. And then it goes and shares it out and the algorithm does some magic. And it allows us to reach people well outside of our network. And... uh, the kind of impact we're looking to make in the world. We need to reach thousands, if not millions of people in order to do what we want to do. So thank you so much for all of you guys who have been actively listening. Do go drop that review and join the Insider Club by going to theinvestormindset.com. It's totally free. We're sharing a lot of great tips and strategies on how to take your mindset to the next level. We're also going to have some behind-the-scenes uh, content coming out soon that we've been working on and some great guides that you won't find anywhere else. So help us out, drop that review, join us on the Insider Club, and let's get into this next episode. Investor Mindset audience, welcome back. Very excited. I have a good friend of mine, Mike Simmons, here in the studio. How's it going, Mike? It is going fantastic. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. I'm really excited to talk with you today. So Mike Simmons is a husband and father of three, and he began his real estate career back in 2008. He made all the rookie mistakes. Despite those mistakes, his company grew and which led him to starting his now company, Return on Investments, a real estate acquisition and wholesaling company that provides properties to landlords and flippers. And uh, his company grew to over $1 million in revenue in just 12 months. And all of that is due to you know his hard work and learning from coaches and mentors. And since then, he's since joined those same coaches and is helping investors step up their game with the House Flipping HQ and Seven Figure Flipping Family. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This feels good. I'm I'm one of the uh, I'm one of the early ones here. So in a year or two, you can go. You were on episode four or five, whatever it is. Like you can. Eh, you were way back when I started. So that'll be awesome. Well, luckily you're already famous, so I can't help you there at all. But uh, <laughs> it should be a fun conversation. All right, sounds good. No pre- no pressure there. You're calling me famous now. I got to really produce. All right, that's cool. No, I like the compliment though. I can deal. I can deal with that. Hey, you know, <laughs> people are looking up to you, Mike. So obviously, you grew your business to a million bucks yeah. uh, in revenue in just 12 months. You've been helping people coach. You've definitely hit many different levels of success. But if you take a look back and you look back to earlier in your your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Uh, events from my childhood. A lot of stuff did. I, I like to say that, you know, it's not just like, oh, my my dad was an entrepreneur. So he, you know, showed me. Sometimes you kind of do the opposite of what you see, right? So I mm-hmm. had a I had a very blue-collar. Auto, you know, like uh, Michigan automotive blue collar uh, upbringing. Uh, 
I wasn't taught that entrepreneurialism was the way to go. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. In fact, um, that probably held me back a little bit, to be perfectly honest. It made me uh, apprehensive. I didn't see those examples in my life. Um, but some of the things that did shape me, and, and I always kind of like give my, my dad a hard time, but he was tough. He was tough on us, very disciplinarian. He, he very much enjoyed watching kids do hard work, manual labor. He felt like that was what <laughs> young boys should do when they're growing up. So I am no stranger to work. I know what it means to work hard. I know what it means to work until you feel like you can't work anymore and then you work more. So the mm -hmm. work ethic that was instilled in me at a young age, I value because I think that's missing from some people. Uh, I think they hit mm -hmm. adversity, it gets hard and they give up. And, and usually people give up when success is right around the corner. Like they're literally within arm's reach of it and they quit because it's hard. I don't do that. I, I learned uh, to work hard. So, but you know, that comes with a price too, because I always thought the harder you work, the better off you are. And that is true in a sense, but it's not, it's the kind of work, right? I was taught busy work and, and like, just like, you know, like repetitions and just, you know, um, just horsepower is really how I was taught to do things. And while that's great and that's admirable, I don't know that just pure horsepower is, is always the formula for getting to the next level, right? It'll get you off the ground, right? I always like to, I always like to equate running a business or being successful in anything. It's like getting a, a goose off the ground, right? You've seen a goose. They're not exactly built for flight, right? So they have to flap mm -hmm. those wings super, super hard, way harder to get off the ground than to stay off the ground. So I think that horsepower will help get people and to help get me off the ground. But what it kept me from doing sometimes was realizing I don't need to be the only engine. I don't have to work until sunup to sundown to be successful. That's not necessarily it. It's mm -hmm. the kind of work you do and it's the impactful work that you do within your business or within your life to be successful. And it's not just like how many hours did I put in? It's how many significant hours? What did I do with those hours, right? I can stay busy all day and my company can crash and burn. It's, it's what are you doing with the time that you're spending? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like you didn't learn that from your childhood. Oh. You didn't learn that from growing up. But what, what triggered that for you to look at things differently? So uh, they always say, or people say that pain will motivate people more than uh, the pursuit of pleasure, right? So for me, I got to a certain point in my life. I was around 30, 30 years old, 31 years old. And I started just doing basic math. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not uh, a data scientist. But what I can do is simple math and go, okay, on my current trajectory of what I make per year and when I would like to retire and what it costs to retire and what it costs to living will be and all that, when can I retire? And it was like well after I'm 100. You know what I mean? Like it was like so long because I wasn't <laughs> making enough. I didn't have enough saved. I wasn't on course to ever retire. So I was going to be one of many people out there who really can't retire. They work until they die because they don't have the funds, right? So I started looking at how can I make this happen because I can't continue working. By the way, I was in the automotive industry at the time. The automotive mm -hmm. industry is, I mean, it, it helped reshape our country, right? But fast forward, you know, 80, 90 years, and it's not always the most unpleasant place to work. Like there's some really grumpy, older, like bitter, like cutthroat. And I just didn't enjoy that work environment. And I knew I didn't want to work in the automotive industry forever. So I started looking at ways to get myself out of that. And it took me until I was in my mid thirties, late thirties to really decide I've had enough. 
I'm going to do whatever it takes, right? I'm going to flap my wings Mm -hmm. and get this goose off the ground. And, and that's really what it was. It was the pain of just not loving what I'm doing for long enough. A lot of people have stories about, oh, I sold um, news, you know, I, I delivered newspapers and then I went and mowed lawns for people. And then I had a, uh, a lemonade stand and all these entrepreneurial things they did as kids. I didn't do any of that, right? But I do believe that people are sort of born entrepreneurs or they're not, right? Whether or not it manifests itself mm-hmm. when they're younger or not. I was born an entrepreneur, but I was, it was sort of like being born to be like a natural born basketball player but living in a place where basketball doesn't exist, right? Doesn't mean you're not, Mm -hmm. it's not in you. You just don't have any concept of it. So I had no concept of entrepreneurialism when I was growing up. So I think that kind of stayed dormant in me, but I got to enough pain where I just said, I want to take control of my own life. I am sick of other people having direct control over my success and failure. That is not me. It's not who I am. And then I had to figure out who I am because I just knew it was something was in me that had to get out of here, but I'm not a bum. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to not pay the mortgage or, or bring, give my kids uh, school clothes. So I had to figure out what it was I, I was supposed to do if it wasn't involved being involved working a nine to five job. Right. So, um, and there's a whole path there and I'm, I, I, it's a long story. We don't have to go down it, but I found real estate investing. So you hit threshold, you were unhappy with what you were doing day to day. You had hit this pain point and you thought to yourself, I need to change this and I'm going to change it now. And I think that can be a really refreshing reminder for people is that you don't have to be doing this stuff right out of the womb. There is so many stories of people who are selling candy at class, uh, and uh, you know that's how they hustled their way into entrepreneurship. But really, all it takes is getting to a point where you have to make something a must, yep. and then all of a sudden, look at what you've been able to build because of yep. that. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your primary focus is today? What are you doing uh, when it comes to investing? When it comes to work, yep. career, those kind of things? Well. Yeah. So I, I really adhere to the, you, you really need to have a lot of lines on the water if you're fishing, right? I don't believe in the one fishing pole theory. So I have a lot of things that I'm working on. Um, number one, primarily is my real estate investing company that I run with uh, my partner, Mike Calper. Mm-hmm. That's number one, right? We're, we're trying to grow and take over all of Michigan and then look out all, for all of you out there. We're going we're gonna to come to your neighborhood too and you won't get any more deals. But that's, that's the primary focus. <laughs> um, I'm also, like you kind of mentioned at the top of the show, I'm heavily involved in the coaching program that, that we met in, right? Um, I was one of the mm-hmm. coaches when you joined. I'm a great example of someone who spent their entire life thinking that coaching, mentorship, paying for any kind of knowledge other than like college maybe, which is sort of laughable as I look back and thinking that was the one thing I thought was okay. Paying for knowledge, I was so against it. I was totally against it. Totally, totally, totally. But now I get it. I, I understand. That was one of the things holding me back. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pay or, or seek out people who had blazed the, the trail that I wanted to be on ahead of me. I wouldn't seek them out. I refused. I figured I could do it on my own. And, and that just, that, that changed it for me. So I'm involved in the coaching program because I believe in it very, very much. Uh, I also have um, a podcast, right? I uh, Just Start Real Estate is my podcast. And, and I'm, uh, I'm kind of refocusing there a little bit. I took a step back to build this business with my partner and it, I, it absorbed most of my time and I was just unable to, to do anything else. And then I have rentals. So I'm building a portfolio of rentals. I got 20 rentals and growing. The goal is 50 in the next... 18 months. Um, I think I can do that. And then finally, uh, I am part owner uh, of, a, of a bookkeeping company. 
um, that we specialize in bookkeeping specifically for real estate investors. We don't deal with plumbers and doctors and lawyers. It's just real estate investors. So I'm helping grow, build and shape that company, which is, you know, it, it's a struggle in any company trying to figure out how to grow and, and be successful and, and give a good quality product. So, so you end up deviating, having a completely different mindset on building a business in the sense that you want to try and have all these diversified income streams rather than just the one thing model. Tell me why not just put everything into one bucket and just push really hard and make sure that that thing grows all the way forward. Here's what it is. I have a partner in that business, right? Part of what that having a partner in a business gives you is it gives you a little bit of your time back, right? So we're splitting things. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he's, he's there to help me. I, maybe this is entrepreneurial sickness, I think I am putting everything into that company that it needs to grow. Listen, nothing grows overnight. I said we went from from virtually zero to a million dollars in 12 months. That took Herculean effort. That was a lot of flapping of wings and jet fuel and all that. Um, But growing that fast doesn't come without consequences. And we had to deal with the consequences for the following year. Doesn't mean that it affected our revenue so much, but our foundation was unstable and we had a lot of leaks in the boat, so to speak, right? So we spent a year fixing that and now we're growing responsibly. We're putting pieces in place in a, in a time frame that is conducive to continued growth, right? So if I put all my time and effort, honestly, I would have a lot of free time because I would be push, push, push. You can only push people so much and push a business so much. Sure. Again, going back to my original premise, I could work from sunup to sundown on one business, but would I really be... Mm-hmm. Would there be value the entire time? Probably not. I think putting, you know, six to eight hours a day into that business and then spending the rest of my time on the other businesses is absolutely appropriate. Your premise really is that by having these different income streams, you're going to be diversified and therefore you're going to be one more fulfilled, it sounds like, because otherwise you get bored putting everything into one bucket. But two, you have money coming in from things that are that are semi-related, but are different enough that uh, you know, if one thing changes in one market, it doesn't necessarily knock yeah. all, all of them out. Multiple streams of income is the bottom line for me. It really is. I, I would, if I only had one business, I would form another one. I'm not kidding. Like I just, I, it's like eating one food the rest of your life. I'd go berserko, right? Sometimes you want pizza, sometimes you want steak. So I think multiple streams of income is important for everybody, anybody, right? I have a business partner. I would, I would scream at him if he had nothing else going on. Like you need other outlets, right? So I like building. That makes sense. So talk to me a little bit about what what held you back from getting started in entrepreneurship earlier? Because you know, as we were talking earlier, you were mentioning that that was one of the biggest things uh, that you regret that you look totally. at as a failure. Oh my gosh, I'd be so is my life would be so different if I would have started twenty years earlier. What kept me back? Super easy, simple fear, total fear, mm-hmm. just fear, not believing in myself enough, not having any examples. I guess was I can't blame that, right? Like, oh, I didn't have an example. Mm-hmm. Boo hoo. But it helps when you have examples. It helps when you see mm-hmm. people who are doing it that you know and, and believe and trust and can reach out and touch the real. So I had no examples, um, therefore no path. I wasn't willing to ask for help. So makes it even tougher. And then just fear because when I realized that nine to five and being an employee wasn't for me, I already had two kids, a mortgage, a car. You know, I had obligations that I couldn't just go, well, I'm just going to go back and live in mom and dad's basement and try this and I don't need any money for two years. Like that wasn't an option. I had, I had overhead <laughs> that I had to deal with immediately. And, and I, if there's mm-hmm. one thing that I think is, is certainly more important than my drive to succeed or money or whatever, 
it's my kids and my family, right? So I wouldn't for one second jeopardize my kids having a nice Christmas or having a, a good birthday or being able to do things in, in their life for my selfish, I'm doing air quotes for those who aren't looking, selfish goal of being an entrepreneur and succeeding in that realm, right? So, Right, but isn't that so interesting though? I have to cut you off. It's so interesting that you said in air quotes, selfish pursuit when it, it it's clear to me just from knowing you for these years and looking up to you as a mentor to myself, that family has been a big driver. Total. But in it's almost as if when you were getting started, you had a belief that by going after something that you care about, by going after something that you can truly believe in, that you can get behind, and what you've been able to do now was selfish. Here's the, here's the thing, right? When you, If you're into sports, right? Let's just say football, for example. If a mm-hmm. coach calls a play that doesn't work, it's like, what an idiot, what was he thinking? If he calls a play that's a little risky and it works, he's a genius, right? So I was not willing to, air quotes, risk being selfish Uh and failing and having to go back and try to pick up the pieces of my family and not hurt them. If if I would have tried and it would have worked, that would have been a genius, right? So as it turned out, I did eventually do that. Right, I can uh-huh. talk about how I did it, like the, like the the overarching like method I used to to extract myself from day to day nine to five and go into entrepreneurship. But the fact of the matter is, I did it successfully. So therefore, I look like I'm a genius in my family. But it could have went the other way, right? Everybody knows uh, totally. there's no sure thing in business. What do you think was the fear other than other than the family and maybe having that failure and that impacting the family? What was the fear that that held you back from doing that? Oh man looking stupid, you know, just because here's the thing. I knew when I told my family, not, not my immediate family, not my wife and kids, but my, my extended family, Uh my brothers and and, and mothers and fathers that I was going to do this. There would be no encouragement of it. Like, I'll tell you what I, I, I told them, I didn't even tell them that I was doing it because I sort of started my business while I was working a nine to five, right? Just real safe. Uh I had built my business up so that I was making more in it than in my nine to five before I even told them mm. that I was doing it. My parents yeah. found out that I was flipping houses back in the day because uh-huh. I was featured in our local newspaper on the front page. That's how they found out. <laughs> I was already oh, a wow. success in what I was doing. They didn't even know it. They found out because they read about it in the paper. So it was the fear was still there, but sure. you took kind of a conservative approach yep. and you said, Hey, I'm not going to put it out there. I don't want to risk this, but I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to still keep my W2 in place yep. and I'm going to go out and get started. And that's yep. obviously the rest is history. Do you, history, do you right? know any entrepreneurs who, despite their success, and they could be widely, wildly successful, do you know any entrepreneurs that have a high level of success that are constantly worried it's all going to go away? I feel like that, that's almost every entrepreneur I know. Frankly. I feel like I, I was, I was like, I had to think about it for a second, but I feel like, <laughs> right. Yes. So even though I was building this business and having success, I was always worried that I'm, it's just going to disappear. I I'm, I'm getting lucky and it's going to go away. That's why I didn't tell my parents. That's why I didn't tell my friends and family. I was always afraid it was going to go away. Right. It wasn't until I was like in the newspaper and like cats out of the bag. And then I was like, all right, it's on. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm all in now. But, but if I, I think if I'm like super, open and vulnerable here. I think even as an entrepreneur myself, right? I feel like that all the time. We've we've all gotten yeah. to this point where, man, we're killing it. We're in, in the eyes of many people, we're killing it. But in the eyes of the people we're looking up to, we're just getting started. But I'm always like, okay, well, is this next move? Is that going to knock us out? But what keeps me going is knowing that if I could build this one time, I can do it again. Yep. 
Why did, why did Jerry Rice work as hard as he did after he was already considered to be the greatest receiver in the history of mankind? Like he was a living legend playing the game. Why did Cal Ripken keep working the way he did? Why, why do these people do it? First of all, they always know they can get better and they never want their success or their achievements to start crumbling, mm-hmm. right? So I always feel that way. I probably always will. I think it's just, I just think it's entrepreneurial. It's, it's high, high achievers are always on some level working their butt off because they, they're not sure it's not going to go away. I think right? it's, it's, it's kind of a fear-based thing, but it's, it's I think true. it's kind of a benefit though, to put yourself in a place of influence like yourself as a coach with a seven figure program and house flipping HQ. And you know, you have a high profile uh, business and to be able to put yourself in that position, it's motivating to know that like yeah. every step you take, you can go and take a risk and, you know, shoot out and try to do something different. If it doesn't work, everyone's going to be looking at you. They're all going to be saying, oh, well, hey, yeah. you know, that was a failure. But yeah, they're also uh, looking at you to see how you're going to, how you're going to come back yeah. from that. Yeah, that's not hurt or that's not helping my, uh, my paranoia about things going away. The fact that my business is basically transparent to hundreds of people all the time. It's like, you know, and the reality is things do happen, mm-hmm. right? There are setbacks, right? But Really, it's just about how do you react to that. So it's I can't freak out about there being setbacks. Every business, every business has setbacks, right? Every so, business. Apple almost went out of business, you know, in the late '90s. So yeah, that's it. It just happens, happens to all of us. So, what advice would you give to someone else who is in a position like you were in ten years ago and was feeling this level of fear? And you know, it sounds like we're all still feeling some fear from time to time. But how would you recommend somebody handle something like that? Yeah, if I if I could go back and and talk to me uh, 20 years ago, I would, you know, it's real cliche. I, I used to listen to a lot of a podcast mm-hmm. and I would listen to a lot of entrepreneurs, high level entrepreneurs, and they always gave a very similar answer to the question that you just asked. And it's always resonated with me. And it's frankly why I named my podcast what it did. I, I think you have to just start. People get paralyzed by not having enough knowledge, by being afraid. What if, what do my friends think? What if it doesn't work out? Blah, 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 right? At some point you have to just start and it's going to be imperfect, right? They, what will I say? That perfection is the, is the enemy of execution or whatever. Yeah, I'm butchering it. it, but something to that effect, right? Execution is king. So you have to start because there will be setbacks. You will screw up. You'll probably lose money along the way at some point, like, but you have to start to get, through those things so you can get to the success. So I would say, I, I put it this way. I knew in 2002 that I wanted to be a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy my first house until 2008. Okay. So right there is six years of my life that I wasted thinking, contemplating, wanting, uh, admiring people, being jealous of people. Like I just... I, I t- it took me that long to get off the starting block. And part of it was because I wasn't raised to think that was the way you do it. That was not safe. It was crazy. It was nuts. When I was already, by most people's accounts, extremely successful in real estate, I quit my job, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I kept my job longer than a lot of people probably would have. And when I quit, I told my parents, I'm going to quit my job. My dad said, you're making a mistake. Yeah, totally. Right? That, that was, so that's just my reality. That's what I came from. Even after showing tangible success. This, I am successful and I have been now for a few years. And this is what I'm going to do. 
you're making a mistake, right? So but I think that can be just such a good from. inspiration to other people because so many people are in your shoes. I hear it so often when I talk to, you know, investors who want to get into the space and they say, well, I can't because I have kids or I can't because I have yep. a job or yep. I have the, you know, I don't have kids and I didn't have a huge, you know, overhead expense. But when I did it, I did it a different way because for me, like what worked for me was to jump off and figure out how to fly on the way down. And so I just put everything in full belief, 100% of everything that I had into one idea and went with it until it got to a certain point and then started adding some things on. But it's so clear that there's another way. That you don't have to go totally. and be a crazy person and jump off the cliff without a parachute and try to wiggle one on as you're going down. You can be you can be conservative, you can be smart, and you can set yourself up for success without risking it all. I, I, yeah, conservative and smart aren't necessarily the same. I, I think you can be smart and be aggressive. What what I've learned about myself in the last several years is that I'm actually an insane gambler with absolutely no fear of risk, like none. But during my transition from working a W-2 to be an entrepreneur, I was very conservative, but let's just side note, I'm married to someone who's very conservative. Yeah. So uh, I had to get her on board with this whole thing. But as it turns out, once I transitioned over and I'm entrepreneur, I'm insanely aggressive and insanely risk. Uh, ex I'm excited about risk. Risk doesn't bother me, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it that way going, going from one to the other. But to your point, um, it should be inspirational to know to people who are working in a nine to five job in a cubicle and they're just sort of like their soul is being sucked out slowly every day by the corporation that they work for. Yeah, you can make the change. I didn't do it until my late thirties, right? I had a kids and all this stuff. Like you totally can do it. If I could go back in my early twenties, I would be living in my parents' basement putting all my money into marketing or whatever. Like I would totally do that, but you can get out of the insanely soul crushing environment that you go to every single day. If you wake up on, or if you you know go to bed at Sunday night with a pit in your stomach because of what you have to do the next day, your job, then either start your own jit thing. And by the way, start your own thing and your free time. Don't, don't watch game of Thrones mm -hmm. and binge watch like uh you know, uh, uh, some show uh, and then tell me that you don't have time to do a side hustle. You do, right? So I did it on the side, man. I was looking at empty houses at nine o'clock at night in the pitch dark in the freezing cold here in Michigan with a flashlight by myself. It was creepy as heck and it was weird and, and cold and I was tired. That's what I did for a couple of years, right? Before I was able to, to get this over. So you can totally do it. You can do it in your free time. If you, if you sleep 12 hours a night, sleep six hours and spend the other six hours on your side hustle until it surpasses your day job, but you can do it, right? It's just, it's hard. So therefore people don't do it's it. It's hard. And, but the other key takeaway is like, if you love your job, you can still do it on the side. If you hate your job, you should definitely make a change because you should never spend totally. all of your time doing something you hate. And it's so, yep. it hurts me on the inside when I talk to people and they're just like, I hate what I do, but I'm just stuck in it and I make too much money. And it's like, Man, that's just yep. a, that's just an excuse. You can you can make that change. So, yep. why why do you think you've succeeded in an industry that's fairly challenging when so many others haven't? Um, because I'm stubborn. I don't know. I, I think part of it is because I uh, I am a, I am a risk person, right? So, luckily, I I was careful about quitting my day job before I was making enough money. However. In my side hustle, 
I was extremely aggressive and relentless, right? It's the goose just flapping the wings. I was flapping like crazy after five o'clock every single workday. And then on the weekends, I was working every single day. So why did I succeed? Because the pain got enough to where I said, I don't care what it takes because working two jobs until I get my, my side hustle to the point that I can leave my day job is way less painful than the thought of dying here, (laughs) working until I die. Mm -hmm. Like that's horrible from a guy who says, I was probably a born entrepreneur that was sort of had that dormant within him. It was killing me. There was something inside of me screaming, do not just keep coming here and going home and doing nothing. Like spend your free time liberating yourself. And I'm not being overly dramatic, but liberating yourself from this (laughs) daily horrible situation. So I am a liberator. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think pain is good. I mean, people are going to be like, Stephen, what the hell are you talking about? But at the end of the day, it's a tool and you can use it for good, but only if you use it to actually trigger yourself to go out and take action. Because you can... Yeah, pain is good, fear is good. Yeah, you just have to use it. uh, Otherwise, it'll, it'll use you. Yep. And just like they say on Wall Street, greed is good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> greed can be good. It can. It will, if it's driving you in the right direction towards the right yeah, things, exactly. Then, exactly. Then it definitely can. So from a habits perspective, what are some of your keystone habits? What are some of the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I should review these questions beforehand. I, I'm a bad example. Um, I am not a creature of habit. Uh, I don't have the miracle morning working on my in my favor. Uh, I don't get up at the same time every day. That. Some days I make my bed, some days I don't. Right, so like I almost break like every new like age way of of, of dealing. But here's what I here's what I have working for me. I am competitive, and I think this is maybe a side note or a side conversation that probably will not everyone won't agree with this. Probably a lot of people won't. I believe that. Being in athletics as a child growing up, team sports and things like that, developed competitiveness within me, or at least stoked it, that makes me too competitive to lose. So I don't go to bed at the same time. I don't wake up at the same time. Sometimes I make my bed. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I work from morning till night. Sometimes middle of the day, I stop working and I don't work the rest of the day. Like I'm all over the board, right? So my consistency is that I'm inconsistent. (laughs) But... I do think that for me, and everybody's different, right? For me, it's important to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. When I am not working, I try to be fully not working. Mm -hmm. When I'm working, I try to be fully working. I don't, I don't, and I'm I'm guilty like everybody else of looking at a text or an email while I'm watching TV and it's work related Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I'm remarkably good at when something horrible is happening in the business but I decide I'm spending time with my wife or we're going to watch a movie. Like I can just go turn it off and I'm watching this movie. I don't let it bother me. Right. So I think that you have to give yourself a break from the grind, from the growth, from the struggle, from the, the everything that you're doing to succeed. You have to give yourself, you know, it's like your muscles, right? You work out, you have to give them time to build back up, right? You need, you need time for that recovery. And I think your brain, your soul, your life, you need recovery time. And however that looks for you, if you're not married without, you know, you don't have kids, whatever that reading, riding bikes, exercising, whatever it is for you, you have to do it. And, and if you don't, I think you start kind of hating what you're doing, even though it's your own business, like you'll hate it. You don't want to create a job for yourself. You don't want to create a, your own self-imposed prison, right? So you have to, 
sometimes stop and, and not work. And, and that's, for me, that's the key. I know that I do take time off. So when I'm back on, I'm on like 100%. Yeah. And, and I'm a little bit lucky because I am older. Here's one thing I want to say. This is, this is for all you people out there that have wife and kids or husband and kids. And you're like, oh, you know, my kids are older and I just can't. It's too late. Listen, here's an advantage I have over a lot of people that are building their business at the same time I am. They have young kids. They have a lot of things going on that pull them away and it's obligations that they have to do and they want to do. My kids are older, man. If I decide I want to get up at six and I'm going to work nonstop until 10 o'clock at night, there is not one bit of pushback. There's not one bit of guilt. I don't have to worry about it. My wife is totally cool. She's like, if, as long as I know you're busy until 10, I'll busy myself. I'm good, right? My kids are all older. So try to outwork me. I dare you. I don't have any distractions. Maybe you're the exception because you don't have a wife and kids. But anybody who doesn't have a wife and kids, you know what I'm talking about. You can work morning till night if you want. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like it, it can either be a benefit or it could be... It could be a you know a challenge, right? Not having any wife and kids, I can work like crazy. I don't have anything other to to do than to work, unless I want to go have some fun. And I'm I'm like you right. in the sense that when I check out, I check out a hundred percent. But lately, I've just been plugged in all the time, and I'm getting to that point where it's like I need I need a fully unplugged, no phone, nothing, and just check out. And when you do that, you come back yeah. so refreshed. You come back with all these ideas. Um, Yep. So that's really, really totally. powerful. But for you people with kids, don't don't be creating <laughs> these limiting beliefs for yourself that you can't go and do this. No. Regardless of the of age of no. the kids or what's going on in your life, whatever is a, an excuse can also be the exact reason why you have to do something. Because as a single person without kids, what's my purpose for doing all this stuff? Greed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I get a lot of fulfillment out of it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's definitely something to yeah. be said about having the family that you're looking to support. So we've made it to the totally. end of the show, the growth rapid fire round, where the questions are fast, oh. but the answers don't need to be. All right. What do, what do I win? Do I win something? Just kidding. Go ahead. I'm ready. <laughs> I can do this. Fast. Thinking fast. Here we no, go. No, no. The answers are not fast, Mike. The answers are as slow oh, as you okay. need them to be. Okay. Oh, okay, good. I thought I'd answer fast. Go ahead. What's a book that's impacted your life the most or one that you're quite excited about right now? This is sort of a weird answer, but I will say the art of the deal. Now, I've been answering that way for years, long before Donald Trump was president. However, the reason why I picked that one, there's other books that have impacted me more in the last decade, but it actually was one of the first books that started stoking the mm -hmm. fire inside mm -hmm. of me that I wanted to do something and be bigger than just a nine to five job. And that was when I was in high school, I read mm -hmm. that book. So there, it was, there was a little entrepreneurial poke at my entrepreneurial soul uh -huh. early on. And that was the book that did it. I love that. Purpose. Why do you do what you do? My kids. I, I want to build something. I, I'm, uh, part of my drive is for them to be proud of me. And I will say, I think they're more proud of me now than they were when I worked in 95. Not that they weren't proud, but they see what I've done because they've been old. That's the one benefit, by the way, for those of you who are a little older. My kids are old enough to know me prior to have my own business. And now after I have my own business, they see what I did. They see the struggle. They see the sacrifice and they see what I've built and they're proud of it and they understand it. That's huge for me. I love that. From an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors and how do they influence your career? Good question. Um, I had a guy early on that was like a local guy that really kind of made me believe that the business that I was going to embark on was possible. Uh, his name was Mark Islaw. He's a great guy here locally in my market. Uh, but beyond that, 
I, I would say that Justin Williams mm-hmm. was a huge influence on me. I met Justin it's going on six, six years ago uh, now. So that was huge. And then when we started in the seven figure program, when we became, when we were members of that program, Andy McFarlane uh, was my coach. Mm-hmm. He was the coach. And Andy has been a huge inspiration. Andy not only runs an insanely uh, successful company that I emulated and I basically modeled mm-hmm. off of, but he also happens to be probably the best human being. I couldn't I've agree ever more. So um, the guy is solid uh, from a personal and business standpoint. I, I don't know anybody that is more of a role model to me than him. So yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Those are definitely some amazing mentors for everyone who hasn't listened. Episode five has Andy McFarlane. Episode one is Justin Williams. Both are incredible conversations. So finally, closing it out, what drives you to live your best life every day, Mike? That would be my wife and kids. So (laughs) um, what I'm doing, I said it was for my kids and it's, it's for my wife too, right? But you know, she's probably gonna be gone when I'm gone. So leaving something behind and, and having that legacy. But what drives me to be the best I can be? Honestly, it's my wife and kids. Most of what I do is for my family. It's, it's cliche and it, and it sounds maybe insincere, but it's not. It really is the only thing that matters to me. So um, yeah, I, I, I want to be the best person, the best businessman, the best husband, the best father. Like that's what drives me. There's really nothing else that drives me other than that. If I didn't have a wife and kids, I'm not sure that I wouldn't be aimless, to be honest with you. It's probably good that I do. Some people are built for that. I'm built for that. I need that. And I like having yeah, that. I look forward to having that at some point and enjoying that same motivation. Thank you, Mike, one, for being a great mentor to me. For everyone who knows my journey and how quickly we grew, Mike was one of the coaches that we were chasing after. He became the rabbit just like Andy. Uh, The (laughs) example that showed me, hey, well, if he can do it, I can do it. If they can go to a million dollars in one year, then I can definitely make that path. And it's it's really inspiring and it's fun to talk with you here. So closing out, where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Probably the best place to get. Well, obviously I'm, I'm part of the, the house flipping uh, HQ family of, of, of programs. So you can for sure go there, check me out. Um, But personally you can find me at juststartrealestate.com. So Mike at juststartrealestate.com would be an email. You can get a hold of me at if you want to get great. Absolutely. And we'll include links to seven figure and house flipping HQ and, and all of those things in the show notes. So if you're looking for those jump on in there. So thank you so much, Mike. And, Can't wait till the next time we hang out. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.